I'm Luis Lizarazzo, and this is Shedding Light Within Entertainment. Each episode, we'll discuss the humans behind the entertainment industry and explore the issues and topics that are impacting their lives. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. On this week's episode, we're going to speak with three performers who come from incredibly different backgrounds. First, we're going to speak with a veteran and filmmaker, Kyle Marr. And then we're going to speak with two expatriates, one from Germany and one from Italy, about their experience working in New York City and creating their original web series, Critically Ashamed. It was really meant to bring different perspectives and points of view about working in entertainment and how those different perspectives and points of view can impact a performance a creation or content. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And here we go with Kyle Marr. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Tell, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and how you came to work with Barriado? Great. Um, my name is Kyle James Marr. I'm a uh, I'm an actor and a uh, filmmaker. Um, I work with uh, Tessa Fay, and she was like, "I know a uh, I know a great guy for you. I'm gonna uh, uh, set you up with a meeting with um, with Lois, and then um, we set up our meeting, and just uh, that was it. We just kind of went with it, and then uh, we've been going. No, that's cool. That's good. So and. You are a filmmaker. You're also a veteran. Yes. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that, your service? Yeah. Um, I've been in the United States Army for about 11 years now. Um, I enlisted when I was in college uh, in the National Guard, and I went through college. Um, it, It really helped out a lot. I mean, I was doing kind of, I was a film major, and I was doing like internships and I was just like, (laughs) I just didn't want to be doing intern work. Like, like right after graduating, I was looking at that and I was just like, you know, I I want to do some real work. I want, you know, real life experience. The military had always been something that was in the back of my head. And I just said, Hey, you know what, let's, let's just do it. And um, then I did ROTC and I commissioned as a second Lieutenant in the army. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been lots of places. I've done lots of things that, um, you know, I, I would say, I mean, you, you really look at, eh, excuse me, you really look at the statistic. I have done stuff and been places that less than 1% of uh, the U S population has, has done and been to. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that I needed at, at the time I, I really needed that um, experience that worldview. And, um, yeah, now I, I, you know, I certainly don't regret it and I stay in, um, right now in the, excuse me, the national guard, because quite frankly, I like it. (laughs) That's, um, it's, it's a huge contrast in my everyday life. And there are certain aspects to, uh, the leadership of it that, and the decision-making process that, 
really, I would say helped it, excuse me, it helps carry over into, um, you know, the discipline into a uh, civilian in my day-to-day life. It's great. And it also carries over into your art. Would you yeah, mind sharing a little bit more the reception that it's received and the, the message behind it? Yeah. So um, initially uh, there was a uh, Montclair design week and the idea was to make, you know, a really short film uh, about, you know, in and around uh, Montclair, the town. And there's this, like, I don't know what to call it, cliff, bluff, something that I, I would hike out to like every day. And, you know, if I was, you know, worried about something or thinking about something that was bothering me, I, I'd go out there and I just take like the long hike out. And it's awesome. You get, you get this awesome uh, view of the New York skyline um, from Montclair. And it's, a, it's this old uh, Lenape trail. And then it ends on this this cliff. And I went, I would go and I would sit on the cliff and find my daily serenity, if, if you will. And, um, you know, unfortunately I have been to more memorial services for uh, veterans who took their own lives than one, one is too many, I, I would say. But um, I've been to more than one and that's just, in this country, in my opinion, the wrong answer. And um, 22, uh, the title of the film reflects the average number of veterans who take their lives every day. Um, so I just came up with this idea and, you know, not to give away the whole film, but it's, um, you know, somebody going out to that cliff and what should be a uh, <clears throat> place of serenity and, uh, you know, having what I would say ghosts from the past return. And, um, you know, I, I ended up <clears throat> a good friend of mine who I served with ended up uh, lending me some of his helmet cam footage and uh, some Apache helicopter footage. And um, from his time in Mosul in 2006. Uh, so I ended up splicing that into the film and um, well, it, it worked uh, as the beginning and, and, and throughout. And uh, yeah, it got into the Garden State Film Festival um, it ended up winning that, uh, Montclair design week. And now, um, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, uh, I, I don't know. I, I it wasn't the, I, you know, I've been trying to get, I was trying to get into garden state for years. I never got in. And then I didn't think that this would be the one that, that would, you know, get me in and everything. And now it's been getting into other stuff and, um, you know, it was a very simple idea. I mean, the, the film is, God, it's, it's only like two minutes, but, um, I think the message of, raising awareness for people who wouldn't, you know, normally just think about it. I mean, yeah, you know, being in the military community, you're going to be aware of that statistic, you know, 22, you know, um, service members taking their lives daily uh, on average. Uh, you know, you could even argue that it's more than 22 a day, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, the whole idea of the film is just kind of say like, Hey, look, what, could be in your backyard and, you know, to, to people, you know, people dealing with their own isolation. I mean, it doesn't only apply to veterans. I don't think, I think it's just kind of like an eye opener to, you don't know what, you know, anybody is going through daily. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that's what I sought out to, um, that was the message and the, that I wanted to convey with the, with the film. And I think that, um, uh, it, 22 did so successfully. Yeah, I, so I watched it again this morning, um, as well as the interview that you did with the Garden State Film Festival 
And I think the message is really powerful and important for lots of different people. Like you said, not just veterans. We've talked about it on this podcast before. I think nurses that are, you know, treating COVID-19 patients right now and ICUs are going to need to think about um, um, facing trauma and demons as well. And, you know, there's lots of different people that are facing it with this pandemic. So I think it's really brave that you shared it. And I, the footage from the beginning, I was like blown away by, um, it looked like a scene out of Hurt Locker or something. I was not expecting, um, footage like that. So, I mean, bravo to you. And, and it was really nice that you were able to connect with the old service member as well to, for him to lend you that footage. Mosul in 2006 is wow. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I, one of my biggest problems with (laughs) now, not problems, but um, you you find a lot of these films that come out, you know, these war films that are, that are made and it's, they're fine. I think that they're, I, I don't have a problem with them, but when you have that subject matter of people coming home, I always felt that it was something that was very glazed over when, you know, filmmakers would try to make that story or when they would show some flashback and it's some like, I don't know, being in the military, you could obviously tell things that are wrong (laughs) when when they're doing like the flashbacks and stuff. You're like, okay, come on. What what kind of, what kind of helmet is that? What what, what are we doing here? Um, So I think in order for, my thought was in order to have that be impactful, you know, I I would think that um, using the real stuff is, is way, uh, is way more effective. And um, yeah, your uh, your audience was, was other veterans, right? So they're going to see the authenticity of it. No, no, not necessarily. In fact, uh, I, I recently, um, it's in the works. So um, I won't, say too much about it right now until it's like finalized and everything. But I recently reached out to a, um, you know, there's a veteran uh, outreach group, uh, nonprofit who I I really, um, I really love what they do. And I I recently reached out to them with this and uh, so far they seem to be receptive and about showing and, and uh, speaking on, on the uh, subject matter of the film and everything. And, um, that would actually be the first, like I would say, uh, veteran-based audience that I, I reached out to. Otherwise, it was just it was just really shown, um, I guess, to oh God. I, I'm gonna like categorize it, but like film people, I guess you know, like I, right. that's that's film what we've seen it so yeah. far. Yeah, because it's been you know film festivals and everything. Film festivals, yeah. So what what do you want to do next? What's what as we're coming out of COVID and we're thinking about, you know, what's next for Kyle, what are you, what are kinds of projects are you gravitating toward? <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, I think that especially with, uh, the, um, especially with the way COVID is gone and everything shut down, you know, I, I think it's important for actors in general to be, and, you know, I, I would say this, that a lot of people within my community are this. Um, it's important to be multifaceted, be, be a creator, you know, have, you know, don't necessarily sit around and wait 
for someone to tell you, okay, you're the one, you know, just, which obviously would be great if that happened. But like, um, I do, I do, I will continue to, um, you know, write and create and shoot, direct and act in my own stuff, as well as, you know, really looking out for those roles that I know that are out there for me, you know, like I have no, um, I have no, no issue with, uh, I guess, um, addressing what my type is. Uh, that's, that's not an issue to me. In fact, I, I think that that can very well be used as a strength. And, um, I know, I know that there's a lot of roles out there and quite frankly, I'm just looking to find ways to, obviously I'm looking more geared toward like film and television and everything. And, you know, that's where I would be really uh, focused on looking at the roles. And that's, it looks like that's where they are. I mean, there's, <laughs> I, I could definitely uh, do like a <laughs> cop firefighter <laughs> or anything in, um, in all kinds of stuff that's out there. And I'm looking to uh, audition and be competitive within, you know, um, yeah, w w within the television, film, and everything industry. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think you're on your way. I mean, you're staying on top of your stuff. You're creating. You're writing. Are you working on anything now? Is there anything that yes. you have in the pipeline? Yes, um, <clears throat> I'm currently working on a uh, on a short film where I play. Uh, uh, it's kind of like working. So. The idea is, have you ever seen the movie uh, Moon with Sam Rockwell? Moon? Yeah. No. I like Sam Rockwell, though. Oh, he's, he's excellent. That Meisner train guy. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, he's, I think he is. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, but uh, so he's essentially on the moon, stuck on the moon by himself, and he starts seeing different versions of himself. Anyway, it, it kind of inspired me to do something about that, but about working from home in isolation, you know? I like that. That sounds so, cool. I'd be kind of doing like a, playing like a, you know, duality of man kind of thing. So that, that's, that's the next thing I have in the works uh, right now. And it's, it's actually with uh, Ryan Hernsier, who it was the um, director of photography on 22. Um, him and I worked together at major league baseball for years. And uh, now we, you know, embark on our creative projects and everything so Is there anything else that you recommend to people that want to get involved or help veterans that are coming back from you know service <laughs> well um what i've been really saying is that like i think one of the uh, big things is really being a genuine uh you know support chain for somebody who could potentially be going through that turmoil and really um yeah, I mean, it, like genuinely being there, genuinely listening. I mean, I, I think the main problem is, and you know, veterans who are, and you know, I, again, I don't want to like speak for anybody, but um, I think a lot of the time is that uh, people don't want to speak up about you know what they have going on, and um, I, you know, uh, for for others, I would just say being that you know place of support for somebody, even when it's uncomfortable, uh, is really the most important thing. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I would say as the immediate thing to do, um, yeah, just, just being there in support and listening. And, you know, obviously if 
you're concerned about somebody, you know, think about seeking out help for them. I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess because I'm not, you know, I'm not a clinical mental health expert or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I think that's a good starting point. I love that. I think you're right. Um, I try to be an open ear and I think that that is all that you can really lend somebody. Somebody really has to be open to help and really be, you know, willing, but if they're there and asking for help or opening up to you, there's a way to be receptive to that. And I think that's good advice. I don't think you can force anybody to address things they don't want to address in any situation. And, but if they come to you just being open and receptive to whatever it is they need, I think is a good place to start for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. I mean, I love working with you. I'm so happy you're back. You were gone for a little while, um, helping out and serving. So thank you for your service again. Thank you for all that you do, your vulnerability, um, this conversation, um, your openness to roles and projects. Um, I'm excited to see what you continue to make. And yeah, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, this was, uh, this is fun. I, I enjoyed this. Um, yeah. so really great speaking with you. I'm so proud of the work that you've done. I think that drawing attention to veterans and mental health is so important and your film is so incredible. I'm really so happy that I was able to speak with you about that subject. Now we're going to kick over to a conversation with Judita Lantansi and Franca Passion about their work together and what they're hoping for in their careers moving forward. So welcome to our guest. <laughs> uh, my name is Franca. I'm from Germany. I'm a musical theater performer turned actor turned writer producer and uh, most recently director. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I am Judita, but I am very happy to go by Judy. I'm from Italy. I moved to New York almost six years ago now. And similar to Franca, I was also like, I studied theater. I always went to summer camps. I loved theater. I love musical theater, which is one of the reasons why I moved to New York. And yeah, I've always loved TV and film as well, but never thought I never really thought about like the writing and producing aspect. Uh, the, our project was definitely the first time we did that. And it's, it was a challenge, but it was a good challenge. I liked it. It's interesting. You get to know one another. So we met at acting class. Uh, it was a class. It's a studio called MCS. It's the Matthew Corzine studio in Midtown. Um, so me and Franca both went to NIFA, the New York Film Academy. Different years, different um classes but I mean half of New York has been to NIFA it's like if you if you've been to NIFA you're a NIFA baby it's all like one big happy family so we met in the Friday acting class and we got assigned a scene together and uh yeah Franca do you want to take it from there <laughs> um yeah I think we like really got to know each other when we were like the only people left in New York over Christmas mm -hmm. and um we had I think, uh, Judy, I helped you with a self-tape, right? Yeah, I think we helped each other out with like a few self-tapes in like a week. Yeah. 
and then we ended up having uh, a drink at 2 p.m. at like an empty Midtown bar. Yeah. Days after Christmas. And <laughs> I think that's that's really where it all started with a yeah. little bit of enthusiasm. I love that. So let's talk about Critically Ashamed. First of all, love the name. So please yeah. tell us where that came from. But let's talk a little bit about the concept. So I'll, I'll start with the concept and then Franca, you can talk about the name, but no, the con- so as Franca said, like we got to know each other well during that weird period of time where we were the only ones left from our friend group. And the story we like to tell, which is the truth, is that, yeah, <laughs> we were at this bar. We got, we got day drunk. Let's like, it, that was the truth. We got day drunk on mimosas, I think it was, because that's like the only acceptable drink at 2 p.m. <laughs> And I think it kind of, and we started and we were just, you know, starting to get to know each other. We started becoming friends and we were shooting the shit and we were both from Europe and we started exchanging like funny slash horror stories from auditioning. And it turned into, again, like Franca said, like this drunken enthusiasm of like, we should write a show. Like everybody, everybody would be so interested in it. We're so funny. (laughs) funny. And then I think true to form in our heritage as well. I went home, just, you know, worked off my my hangover and like in a very lazy Italian way, I'm just like, yeah, okay. And then I think it was like two days later, Franca showed up at my door being like, so I have the concept. I have some, I have some show art. I thought about like three plot points. Like she was like ready to go. And yeah, it, that's how, yeah, that was like the initial concept. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and Franca, you came up with the name actually. So critically ashamed is all her. Yeah, I mean, I can't really take credit for it because I just saw it on Instagram. So a friend of mine who was a comic had a show that was called Critically Ashamed. And we've been bouncing back and forth between like these nondescript kind of titles because we were we had no idea about writing and it kind of came from like all of these bits and pieces. So it wasn't like a really super um, specific show that we were writing. It was just kind of like a collection of um, awkward, uh, stories of our lives. And, um, yeah, I saw that title and I hit him up and I was like, can I please use this? And he was like, sure. Um, I don't know if you thought it was gonna like turn into like the, the thing that it's turned into, but I, I didn't come up with it, but I snatched it. I like it. I like it. So how much of Critically Ashamed, which by the way, listeners is available on YouTube, how much of it is true? Because you cover some pretty big topics. Right. I mean, I feel like it's all kind of true, but not. Uh, It's all definitely coming from uh, like a true place, but times and people have definitely been changed and to make it more dramatic. I think season two is more um, more just fiction, but the, the first season was definitely just like things that were happening in our lives, but, um, a little, a little modified for sure. Like some of the awkward things that happen, uh, are definitely put in there for like dramatic effect, but the overall story is pretty true to things that happened to us. I mean, definitely also like some of the struggles I feel like my character didn't have like my character's struggles were definitely more superficial like I just kind of took um people and things that were said at like the restaurant where I work at or where I hope to used to work at 
that didn't make sense, but you get what I'm saying. And I just kind of like tried to heighten it a little bit, but you know, it's like my character is an actor and she's trying to make it. So like that is like pretty true to form in a way, but like Franca said, you know, it's not as desperate or as like crazy, but um, like some of the- So you've never drunkenly called your boss and left a voicemail quitting and telling him that you loved him? No, that was definitely wish fulfillment. No, I think, no, no, no. I've never done that, but um, yeah. Okay, that's a relief. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, still, I still have my job. But no, but then like Delia's character, for example, like your struggles, Delia's struggles with like the visa and how, what it means to like be an immigrant and trying to do all that, like that, again, didn't happen maybe exactly that way, but that's like pretty true, right? I mean, yeah, overall, this situation is like based on based on reality. But then uh, the the storyline in the show is definitely fabricated to make it a little more dramatic. Yeah, for sure. I loved the other performers. I mean, the directing was great. Who did you work with? How did you find these people? Do you want to give some shout outs? Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely. Um, the season one especially was really just all people that were around us. I think we only cast one person that we didn't know in El Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it was all people that we either knew directly or were like friends of friends. We were like, oh, this person would be great. And then our director, Craig Calamas, he's actually my roommate. <laughs> so we started, luck that we, yeah, we started working on the project and he was like, oh, what are you doing? And so I, I introduced him to the concept and showed him what we had and the the, the treatment package and he just wanted to come on board and really help us out with his expertise because we had no idea <laughs> how to produce how to do anything so it looked gonna- amazing did you yeah, like he- rent equipment did he have equipment both um we used his camera same camera that we're using this time around and then we just rented all the accessories so some uh cinematic lenses and um I don't think we rented any lights. Those were, I think, all also his. Yeah. This time around, we rented a few more lights, but yeah, it was like a mix. It wasn't too crazy. With, with it the- looked so good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't take credit for that. That's all. Uh, yeah, he edited, he directed it, and he edited it as well, which yeah. was yeah. We got very, very lucky with Craig. Like, can't say too enough good things about him for sure. Performers were amazing too. I loved the guys that played opposite you. I thought everybody was really good. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the beauties of, first of all, just like living and working in a city like New York, because you just get to know a lot of people in random situations and you never know who you'll end up using and why, but um, acting class, like a lot of those people were friends of ours, or like either mine or Franca's or both. And especially when you're working on a budget. So, you know, we definitely like you pay everyone and we always wanted to make sure that, you know, we weren't just asking for favors, but it obviously also helps if you're working with people that you know, A, because you're just more comfortable with them. And especially since, you know, this was our first time like writing and producing and and all of that. So you get to work with people that you know and you're comfortable with. And you also get to kind of be like, hey, this is my project on a budget. Would you be willing to, you know, come out for like a little bit less than what you would normally maybe get on a bigger project? Right. Yeah, of course. I, that's totally normal. I think people yeah. are understanding. And you made this, I mean, season one was 2018. Was what year yeah. did season one come out? So this is pre-pandemic. I think people are even more used to it now, but I get it. That's really great, I think. Yeah. Um, 
Um, so what's gonna what's going on with Critically Ashamed now? Is it wrapping up? Is it wrapped up? Do, are you working on it? What's what's next? Go for it. Oh yeah, um, we're in the midst of shooting for season two. We um, after we released the first season, we got um, an EP to come on board to help us uh, secure funding. So we were sitting on that uh, for a year. We had a, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we it had was heartbreaking. A, we were like ready to shoot like a week before the lockdown. We were so excited, but anyway. Yeah, so it's been exactly a year. We had a shoot plan for April, 2020. Um, so over the course of the year, we had to completely rewrite the whole season because we had so many restaurants and bars as, um, locations and it's still pretty difficult to shoot indoor. Um, so yeah, we spent a year rewriting and now finally got to spend the money that's been sitting in our account for a year, um, on four days of shooting. So I'll have two more to go, um, which will hopefully bang out within the next month and then yeah we'll be all in the can and ready for a post yay (laughs) well that's so exciting hopefully this is part of the pre pre pre-launch marketing people (laughs) watch season one now so you're ready for season two when do you think it'll come out um it really all depends like with every um like low budget uh project it really depends on the money if we had all the money right now already secured it you know the timeline would be more predictable um right now we're just trying to get it in the can and then figure out how we can come up with a little more money hopefully now that like the pandemic is sort of like winding down people's enthusiasm for investing will return or maybe we'll do another crowdfunding to finish up the project but I mean I want to be optimistic and say for sure this year which sounds like a long long time but you know the first season I think took us a year to complete so yeah I think cool well I'm excited I'm looking forward to it whenever it comes out yeah we're excited too Mm -hmm. (laughs) what else is going on I guess um we'll start with Judy what do you have on the horizon besides critically ashamed what are you looking forward to in 2021 I mean honestly like Franca just said it's now feel like every couple of weeks well now things have been like accelerating in a way, right? But, you know, things are opening up again, we're all getting vaccinated. So I think it's just kind of trying to prepare myself mentally and physically for like what the next steps are. I mean, like, even just like being signed with you, right? Like, that was a huge thing for me that I had been hoping for ever since I'd moved to New York, really. So now that I have like you in my life, and I have other people in my life that Um, So I like met you through Tessa Faye, who I know was like a guest on your show as well. And, you know, she's the one that introduced me to you. And like, she's always likes to point out, you know, who are the people on your team, right? Who are your, who are going to be your cheerleaders and all of that. So I think that's like an Avengers. I'm like trying to assemble my team. And I've just been taking honestly, a lot of classes. I take Chris Russell's class, which is another guest that you've had on the show, who is amazing. And just getting used to the whole like Zoom audition medium, just trying to get virtually in front of as many casting directors as I can. And, you know, now that and I mean, one of the good things that like Critically Ashamed has given me apart from just like the creative aspect and stuff, but like Franca and I were first and foremost actors, right? That's how we met. That's what our like mutual passion was. So it kind of stemmed initially, it was kind of like, what do actors do when they're trying to like 
get in front of a camera. You write something and you produce something so you can be the star of that, right? <laughs> and then that opened up like different venues, but you know, having that show was one of the first times that I had like good video footage of myself, like acting and doing something interesting. So yeah, sorry, this is like a really long-winded answer, but- No, it's not, this is great. Don't, but, that's, don't... but that's kind of what I've been doing, you know? Like I, I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to assemble my team, trying to get my materials together, just try to prepare myself for um, when things like really do open back up again. And it's- What, what kind of projects you know, are you drawn to? What kinds of things do you I, like? I really like, um, I like it all. What I'm noticing, I mean, I really love comedy. I mean, I've always loved comedy, but, and even with this like second season that we wrote and because of like the limitations that we had with locations, we just like, let's just go for it with the writing. It's like surreal. It's a little crazy, but I found that I really enjoy doing like those crazy, weird, funny, like physical comedy type things. So I don't know, like being on a sitcom would be great because that also has a little bit of theater aspect in it as well, because you get to do it in front. Well, hopefully they get to do it in front of a live <laughs> audience again. But, you know, um, but I also. Oh, my God, I could totally see you on a sitcom. I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm like re-binging Big Bang Theory and I'm like, yeah, yes, that I can see that. But I'm also really drawn to any project that allows me to mix and marry like the the American side and the Italian side. I'm really interested in that as well. Just like these- I love that, yeah. You know, it's like New York. And I'm like, I can, you know, I can be a mafia boss. <laughs> <laughs> like I can I can do that, but yeah. Just, bossy, like, God, you would be a great, also a great mafia boss, but there's a lot of other Italian, you know, influences that have come. Yeah, I'm just, I like, you know, it's, Sometimes, like, I love New York. I love living here and I love my life. But, you know, you get homesick sometimes. So I miss it. I miss it a little bit. So I'm like, yeah, just let me say, let me say a little something in Italian and I'll be happy. What but, part of Italy are you from? I grew up in Turin in the north. But my parents are from Marche and Abruzzo. There are two regions that are right on the calf of the boot to right on the Adriatic Sea. That's where, like, my entire family is from. And, uh, yeah, but I, but I grew up in the north which is also lovely. Turin is beautiful. Nice. Yeah, that's my spiel. <laughs> okay, Franca, first, what part of Germany are you from? And then all the other questions that Judy covered. Right, uh, so I'm from Wiesbaden, which is close to Frankfurt, which you may know as a very big airport. Um, and then- I I'm have flown Lufthansa through that airport multiple times. Classic, it's classic. Um, yeah, I also lived in Hamburg for I think eight years. I went to a musical theater school there, and um, just uh, the scene is in Germany is like a little more spread out. But in Hamburg, there's definitely like a cluster of musical theater. So um, did that for a while, and then I got injured. Um, I busted both my knees in a production one day. <laughs> and then, sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a long time ago. Back then it was quite the bummer, but I also didn't think that um, I wouldn't return to it. So it wasn't that bad. I was like, oh, I'll take, take a year, go to New York, get acting classes, let this heal and then go back to it. And I just never did. What kinds of projects are you drawn to? True. What are you hoping for in 2021? Got it. 
Okay, first of all, I need to sort out like my visa situation. It's been like a little bit of like an ongoing. So um, yeah, once that is all clear, <laughs> I'm- I have a lot of friends that have had to deal with that throughout the years and yeah. I know that it takes a while. So best of yeah. luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, I've been like through it a couple of times. So it's at this point, it's, uh, it just takes a long time and it's hard to like fully plan if you don't know. No, I definitely wanna, I have a concept in, in mind for another show that I wanna write. As much as I love to perform, I also really like ideally I would wanna be a showrunner of my own, <laughs> of my own <laughs> kind of like a Dan Levy, Issa Rae kind of vibe. That would be my ideal situation. Yeah, other than that, it's it's the last couple of years, I think I kind of sunk into um, being behind the camera a little more and um, just doing projects of friends that like asked me, hey, do you want to be in this? And I'm like, yeah, cool. I haven't really been active in like auditioning. So I think once all of this like kind of settles down, I'm getting my first dose tomorrow. So I'm like, I, I see the horizon. Um, I, I definitely want to get out there a little more and just, um, just see what I can get basically, because I remember when I first came to New York, I would go on like an audition every day. And even just that, like keeps you so much more flexible as a performer and as an artist. So I think I'm really looking forward to, to just doing that a little more and, you know, getting, getting, up from behind the desk and from behind the camera and just kind of coming back into um, performing a little more, getting back out of my comfort zone. And I think that also just makes everything better. You're writing better, you're, you know, directing better um, just to keep the brain a little more flexible because I feel myself getting older now and just uh, getting a little set in my way. So we'll check. Yeah, out. I hear that. I'm always trying to avoid that too. I mean, mm -hmm. You can ask Charlie or anybody that follows me on the internet. It's like every day I have a new interest, mm. um, especially with my drag persona. Every time I get a new outfit, I have a new personality trait. So <laughs> I think it's important to keep yourself fresh, keep yourself learning new things, reading, studying, auditioning, anything to keep your muscles kind of engaged and working. For season two, what do we have, what changes do we have in store? Yeah, so I think the biggest change is definitely that we're directing now for the first time. Mazel, co-directors, love it, yay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, our, our season one director wasn't available. So we were like, oh, do we get a new director? And then, um, you know, Judy's very um, good with keeping us on budget and so we figured we'll save the money and we'll do it ourselves. And yeah, I think it's been working out even better than we could have could have hoped. I yeah. think it's, it's definitely a new experience because we're now writers, producers, actors, and directing. And as much as I think like collaboration is like a great way to get an amazing project, um, it's also it's just been super interesting to see what happens if you just see your vision through from beginning to end. Yeah. I think second season will take a different direction. It's going to be a little more campy due to also like our limitations and, you know, like physical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that'll be definitely a noticeable difference, but I think 
we're very happy with the direction that's taken. Yeah. And you know, like it's not, it's many different shows that, I mean, I'm not trying to like compare critically ashamed to like, wait, what was the show? Like, I'm not trying to be like, we're like true detective, but, or like, but you know, there's, there has been a history of these like shows where they change like almost completely like the, the feel will be the same, but like the cast will be different or some sort of aspect. So I was like, okay, you know, I think, and because we wrote it and we know what we want out of it, I, I think it was like not as scary to take on that that challenge. And also like Franca, I love that we're like co-directors. I don't, I still think I need to like understand better what exactly I want from something. But Franca has a, always a very clear vision of everything that she likes and wants. So. I know like, especially the last day of shooting so far, like I was very much on camera cause we were doing a lot of Julia scenes and Franco wasn't. So I was super confident just putting myself in her hands. So I kind of just like, I definitely took off my very limited director hat that day and was just like, just tell me what to do. And, and it was great. No, like, I think again, not to feed into the stereotype, but in a good way, it is very German quality of yours that I really admire and respect. It's like when she wants to get something done, she does it. And if she doesn't, if she starts out like not knowing how to do something or what something is, she will figure it out and she will be like great at it. So yeah, just wanted to blow a little smoke up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, you, well, I, I love both of you. I love you as a team. I think your show is so fun and I love camp. I can't wait for season two. I think that everybody that um, is listening should watch season one and prepare for season two, which will be out sometime soon. I'm just going <laughs> to say, um, and thank you so much to both of you for being on this show and for working with Variado. It is oh such gosh, a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And Franca, it was so great speaking with you. That does it for this episode of Shedding Light Within Entertainment. Talent, I'm Luis Lizarazzo. See you next time.